You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. Hey, it's Teaching Tuesday, and it is our Biblical Worldview Question of the Week with Nancy Fitzgerald of Anchors Away Worldview Ministry, and you can find information at anchorsaway.org or over at kellyandsteve.org under the Resources tab. It's always listed there. Nancy, good morning to you. I'm so glad we can unpack what is happening at the Asbury outpouring, right? Revival, we hear this word, and, you know, I've been amazed because secular media has truly been very, very um, respectful of what is happening uh, and, and what is going on and spreading across our country at college campuses, but I remember first becoming a Christian and giving my life to Christ. Where do we begin examining this? Do you remember for you where you were in that time? Oh, my goodness. I tell you. Uh, good morning, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you know, having been an atheist slash agnostic on a good day, um, uh, for me, yes, of course, I remember it like like yesterday. And and that's the thing. I mean, when I realized what Christ had done for me in all my orneriness and, and all my desire to live out a godless life and prove him wrong, um, I, I can only say when I embraced Christ, uh, the joy of knowing I was loved and forgiven and set free from guilt and shame. I'm telling you, it, it rocked my world. And, and I know we've all been around people who have gone through that. Perhaps you, we all have, I don't know, but uh, who are just plain obnoxious. I mean, I thought at that time that everyone that I knew, including those that I didn't, would be thrilled to hear the good news of the gospel. And I remember even playing in golf tournaments, Steve. I won one once, and I, I said, if anybody wants to know about Jesus Christ, who will change your life, much more than winning this golf tournament, I would like to talk to you at lunch. I mean, that's how, and the Christians there were just horrified, uh, you know. But I couldn't help it. And then with so many people like me, you know, we get discouraged when family and friends kind of, are horrified at the change of, of our lives and and many others who have, you know, this real serious, honest to goodness, born again experience, they fall away because they're discouraged and they're not learning anything and, you know, they, they think they're alone and, and maybe it really doesn't matter as much as they thought. And, you know, these people who were in their Bibles at once excited to learn, they get shoved aside and their lives get filled with other, quote, important things and uh, that distract them from really living out their faith and the importance of Christ in their faith windows. And, and the good news in this is that God has not shoved us aside. And that's a beautiful thing, quite the contrary. He knows our struggles and rejoices, check that, rejoices with the angel when one person repents and comes back to fellowship with Jesus, which is what this whole thing of Asbury is about. Luke 15, 6 and 7. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So that uh, just sets the stage for people that have become believers, clearly born again, and they drop off. Yeah. You know, when you talk about that, that word rejoice, because you went back and you said, you know, hey, be sure check this, rejoice with the angels. It just reminds me of what scripture says in Zephaniah 3.17, that he takes great delight in you. In his love, he he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. This is the God who we serve. And there are other times when God, though, He's not because of our, you know, because of our sinful nature that he not so quietly draws us back to him through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What about times like that in our walk? Yeah, it, I think this is why I think the press has been so kind. And I'm not kidding you because mm. it's a, it's genuine. It's authentic. There are pictures, there's videos, and it's not people screaming and acting goofy. It's people praying. And it's quiet. And, and you know, it, it is so profound that the, the press that goes there, I guarantee you they're overcome with the Holy Spirit themselves. And I don't mean to be super whatever spiritual yeah. Christian-y stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, I really think that that happens. And, and I, I, I mean, he, God shed his grace. This is what this is about on a small seminary school in Kentucky called Asbury. And, you know, the students, uh, uh, 30 of them came, or 20 of them came on February 8th just for a chapel. And then the something started to happen there, and the president of the university or the college sent an email to all the students encouraging them to come and join the 20 who were already there uh, with what he described as an out pouring of the Holy Spirit. And in the end, 200 students arrived for worship that soon after. And it has been nonstop worship ever since. And this is the thing. Um, the even, even on TikTok, I was reading, you know, they have been reporting this with the videos and with the, with the pictures and all this. And they have generated 34.5 million views when God does something, uh, people listen. Yeah. And this is what is so amazing. And today, I think the real test is it a revival. One of the tests is, will it spread? Does it go to other schools or does it just stay there? Um, and, and now we know that, that at least 22 other schools in Hawaii, Massachusetts, Illinois, um, Minnesota, Tennessee, and Indiana, plus others, uh, have been to Asbury to join in on their religious experience and then take it back. And travelers from Singapore and Canada arrived soon after. They, too, took it back. So, uh, really, it's amazing. On February 14th, they had 3,000 attendees, two-thirds of which came from out of state. And they had to move the crowds uh, elsewhere. Now, let me just quickly say, being a doubter of a lot of this stuff, that's going on, but clearly that because it's a God move. Um, uh, revival is not a spectator sport. 
and and I know people were curious and they came and they were curiously looking on. Uh, a revival includes all people to come. It's not it's not something you go and gawk at and say I've been there. Mm. It, it, it's hardly that. When God calls and there's an outpouring like this, man, you better be on your knees or you're, you're missing an opportunity. Well, yeah, you know, and, and that raises a good point because a lot of people have different thoughts or ideas about what actually a revival is and what it's for. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What is the, what's the main real target purpose of this, this revival, this outpouring? Yeah. What's the reason? And to, yeah, to, and that, that's a great question. To revive somebody is to bring them back. Mm. I mean, that's what the word revive means. It's not, it's, it, again, it's not a sport. It's, it's a soul. It's reaching people's souls. It's reaching their heart to bring them back. It, a revival is primarily for those who have made a profession of faith, you know, in Christ, uh, making him their Lord and Savior, and then lost the fire of their salvation, and it slipped into dormancy, you know? And a revival is 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 profoundly uh, important. It's a rededication of their lives to live out Christ in all areas of life. It's worldview. It's not only having that faith restored, but it is comes out of you now. It is it is almost visible. Um, <clears throat> it it provides a clean slate for everybody. But then through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an act of God calling us not only to repent from our unholy worldview, uh, but to become God-focused and change now how we live and what we do. It's just not merely something that's dormant, and that's why they call it, again, an outpouring pouring of response here, where your life, boom, it just all of a sudden you get where you've been you're grateful that god has called you back and this time it's not just with an emotional response it's it's clearly it's clearly a life change we see here in ezekiel 18:31 i will give them a heart to know me for i am the lord the god and they will be my people and i will be their god and they will return to me with their whole heart you know, so their ears and their thoughts are centered now on Christ and not uh, and not the distraction. Yeah. You know, when I think about that, those, you know, the whole heart, the distractions, well, there there's something else that is happening, too, because that replacing of the heart, well, something else comes with that, the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. We have Christ yeah. living in us. So what happens when the Holy Spirit pours out over people? What is going on in that concept there? Yes, and, and I think, again, this is why it's so profound. It's because when the Holy Spirit, when and keep in mind, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's, it's a person of the mm-hmm. triunity yes. of God. It is the Spirit of God the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is God manifested. It's God's gift to us to be with us. You know, when he left, I will send you a comforter. He will teach you and guide you. And and this is the thing. So when the Holy Spirit pours out over people, not only will Christian's life be transformed, 
but their boldness to share and to preach and to teach and to carry on the great commission of going to all the world and starting with yourself and starting with your family and then maybe your friends, but this whole thing. And, and if it's for real, people will begin to live that out by, by clearly putting Jesus first in all, all areas of life in this outpouring uh, uh, is not new really to us. Remember uh, the first church. Remember when the disciples, they were so skittish after Christ died and they didn't know what to do and they were huddled together. And then all of a sudden God said, okay, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you my spirit. And, you know, it rocked their world, especially that of Peter, um, you know, who denied him three times. And, you know, he had a confrontation with Jesus. Do you love me? Said Jesus. Yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. You know, and this whole thing of experiencing forgiveness and the Holy Spirit comes on and then boom, he t- he starts the church, you know, and he says this in Acts 2.22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, nailing him to a cross. But, you know, here it is, but... God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and 3,000 were added to that number. You talk about the power of God. There it is, uh, uh, just an overflowing of God, because when God speaks, people listen. And it it, it it is just ex- really it is extraordinary. Well, when he uh, speaks, he speaks though people do listen. But when he does something, it is something that is so far beyond the scope and capability of human effort alone. And that's one of the litmus tests of what is real, right? When there's no way that when they preach that they were the ones responsible for adding those three thousand that day, it was the power <laughs> of the word, not the exactly. not. Not the not the thing that spoke the word it was what spoke through the thing and that is the spirit of god so there has been yeah. a little bit of caution though about what has been happening why should sure. we approach this cautiously nancy yeah exactly you know we're always looking for the big story we're always looking for the big event and, and this is a holy event so you don't mess around with it you know and, and we see thousands coming and you know it's reminiscent of what happened back with the church. It's 3,000. That's a lot of people coming together and, and, and becoming, uh, you know, the church, the followers of Jesus. But <clears throat> we need to be careful on things like this. You know, uh, writer Samuel say, says, uh, uh, out of some caution of what's happening at Asbury, he says this, for that reason... In desperation for any semblance of hope for our culture, some Christians have abandoned all discernment and they're eagle, eager to idolize anything uh, or any revival that professes Christ, you see. Uh, uh, this whole idea of, oh, everything's so bad, so I'm going to take a little happening down in Asbury and I'm just going to blow it up. And, and God says, no, I'll, I'll do that. 
Um, thank you very much. Uh, but also what, what Samuel is saying here is that our hope isn't in a change of culture. Let's get this straight. And our hope isn't in a revival. It is not. Our hope is not in a Christian culture either. And all of these are good. And I'm sending out a warning. This is, I've said this a billion times. We should earnestly pray that God would change our hearts first. And then through that, the culture will change. It's kind of like that sounding of James, you know, yeah, your works, your gifts, you know, all that. But, but, it, it, uh, uh, James is saying, you, you know, the fruit will come if it's genuine. And, and this is what this is all about. When our hearts change, the fruit comes yeah. and not vice versa. And calling something of a revival, I'm just saying, might be a mistake here <clears throat> because God's grace comes to us in many ways. And some of it's small and quiet as God whispers in our ears. And others are huge, like Asbury. <clears throat> the point is that the outpouring of God's grace should not be scrutinized just because it may or may not meet the requirements of somebody's wild and crazy idea of what they think a revival might look like. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I think for people that are listening and they're saying, I've never had a revival, I don't even know what that would feel like. Well, you know what? You can have your own, you know, by just humbling yourself, going to God and asking him to give you another chance that you've messed up. Yeah. Have that conversation with God. And it, when when you're earnest about it and you get back into the scriptures and all of a sudden you're going to feel that lifting of that weight, that is your revival. Yeah. That is really what God's looking for. He's not looking for the loud, fancy hysteria. He's not looking for people that want the experience and then are going to tell everybody about it and not change. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I have such a disdain for that because God is so holy. And when he works, it's so serious and it's so marvelous. Yeah. And we should marvel at God in his love, in his forgiveness, rather than how big something is. You know, thousands became Christians through God's outpouring, yes. Uh, uh, but for that, um, we thank God for that, but we also thank God for his heart for reviving one person. And honestly, when it comes right down to it, for the least of these, for the one, for the one Samaritan woman, he did it. Yeah. And so might we all be that one. And, and I'm thinking of Ezekiel 1831, I will give them a heart to know me. For I am the Lord and they may be my people and I will be their God. And they will return to me yeah. with their whole heart. Yeah. What a beautiful picture this is. Not to be taken out of context. It was a, it's a big thing, but it's even bigger for the individual when God speaks to them in the quietness of their own heart and says, I love you. Follow me. You know, I'm reminded of what God did with Elijah, you know, that he was in the cave and he did not come in the earthquake. He did not come in the fire. He did not yeah. come in the wind. Where did he come and meet him? Well, Elijah yeah. heard him in the still small 
whisper. And that's how God works. And this is a very loud whisper. This is a powerful and mighty work that God is doing. It's not with fanfare. It is not with, you know, shouts of glory. Yes, it's praise for what he is doing, but he is not making the spectacle. This is reverent. And that's where, you know, hearts are really, truly being changed. This is absolutely an important discussion for us to have. And I'm so glad that you brought this one to us on this TV. Teaching Tuesday, Nancy. Thank you. Well, thank you. You know, it's just so good every week to just dive a little deeper and to see bottom line, God doesn't change. We're the ones, but he's always willing to take us back, however dirty we are. Yeah. He hoses us down and sets us free. <laughs> we go on our way. But it's a, just a beautiful reminder. I think wonderful reminder. God has not forgotten us. He hasn't forgotten this country. He's in complete control. And we can live this day focusing on what God called us to do, which is to love others, encourage one another. So there you have it. Well, he is a sovereign God. He is in control. He is upon his throne, regardless of what we're experiencing. If you'd like to find out more about Anchors Away Worldview Ministry, I want to encourage you to reach out to Nancy through anchorsaway.org. You can also find it linked at kellyandsteve.org under the Resources tab. Nancy, you have an incredible day. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.